Hello, hello, hello. I'm Caritza Mosley-Jones, and welcome to the Pearls of Blackness podcast, where we'll be sharing pearls of wisdom through the lens of black culture. Welcome back to Pearls of Blackness, Pearls of Wisdom Through the Lens of Black Culture. As promised, I have on the line with me the inspiration behind this podcast, and that is none other than the fabulous Mrs. Carolyn Parker. Um, Mrs. Carolyn Parker, but she is my inspiration behind um, Pearls of Blackness. I met um, Mrs. Carolyn Parker on the campus of my alma mater, the illustrious Alabama A&M University, in which we share um, our beloved alma mater. I met her in my freshman history 101 course, lecture course. And when I walked into the classroom, it was full of people, young men and women, just like me, entering um, college for the first time. We were walking into our freshman history class and we were waiting on our professor. And then here walks in this classy lady dressed in business attire. She had the most beautiful smile on her face with a dimple. And she stood in front of our class lecture room and she began to talk to us all about um, Western civilization, F, um, I, I will say um, history as it relates to world history. And she was telling us all of these things and every time she gave us a nugget of um, world history, she shared a piece of black history in with that. And at the close of every class, she would share with us from a book called Black Pearls and it's by Eric Coppage. But she would always close our class with a black pearl. And at the end of that, she would tell us to go and have a great day. And so it never failed for every day that I took Mrs. Parker's class that I anticipated not only the class lecture, but what black pearl she was going to share with us that day so that I could take that and apply it to my life. I love the course so much so that I signed up again for her World History 102 class. And I came back in the spring to have that same experience. And from that freshman year on, Mrs. Parker has left a lasting impact on my life. I keep in touch with her. Every time I go to Huntsville, where Alabama A&M University is, I try to make sure that I contact her or I see her in some shape, form, or fashion because she is just that to me, um, my inspiration. And she is a pearl in my life. And I talked about how my village is comprised of a lot of pearls. And so Mrs. Parker is that pearl, that inspiration for Pearls of Blackness. So thank you so much for joining me today, Mrs. Parker. Thank you for such kind remarks. That is so humbling. <laughs> oh, you're always so humble. She's always been so humble, but she is a, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say a beast in a bad way, but Mrs. Parker is a powerhouse and she's always been your atypical um, inspiration in our lives and everybody who took who took Miss Parker's class, they loved you. I mean, it, people to this day at homecomings, when we talk online on Facebook about who our fav professors were, Mrs. Parker's name always comes up. She is just well loved through years and years of Bulldog alum. So tell me a little bit um, about your back, tell, tell my, my, my listeners a little bit about your background. Okay, well, I did, as you say, attend Alabama A&M University here in my fair city of Huntsville, Alabama. Huntsville is home for me, and I was schooled here in the public schools during the uh, pre-integration time, so I did, in fact, attend segregated schools here in the city. And I went on as a young person because I was skipped a lot in school, so in essence, what that means is that I was pretty young when I went to Alabama A&M at 16. Wow. And um, actually got my bachelor's and master's there and had a wonderful time. I mean, I just 
love being on campus. <laughs> and at the same time, though, I do have to say that I did, in fact, come along during the uh, civil rights period. And that was, in essence, my coming of age time. Then once I actually graduated, my first job was at Redstone on in a job that was going to take my career a long, long way. But in essence, I wanted to teach. And a dear friend of mine, and now we still have this discussion today because we were Alabama A&M classmates, and he could not believe I was going to quit to teach, but I did, and um, started out in a school that was not necessarily integrated. So, well, actually, I started out my first teaching job was in a segregated um, uh, junior high, junior high school, and uh, I moved on to Sparkman High School. Some, some people might be familiar with that. Anyway, uh, it was barely integrated, so I had a good time with that. Learned how to be a good radical because for some reason I felt very comfortable speaking up about my concerns about the issues of the day. And uh, it was a wonderful time though because the students that I taught them then who were basically uh, Caucasian students. They seem to love me just as much as the rest of my students do, but I did move on to uh, UH for a while, and then um, they were so gracious to give me an opportunity to study at Oxford in England, and that was marvelous to me. It kind of enhanced my experience, you should say. <laughs> and I moved on to Johnson. I taught at Johnson High School, which is a predominantly, at that time, it was predominantly African-American here in the city. And my last 13 years, I was at Alabama A&M. And a good place to spend my last 13 years, all total, I had 38 years of teaching experience. And I have to say, I get most of my inspiration from my students, because 38 years in this business was truly sustained primarily by the inspiration that I received from my students. So that's amazing. And that really sets the, the stage, I feel like, for why you were so impactful at Alabama A&M, because it, you kind of came full circle. Right. So you took your life experiences and tied them with your educational and career experiences. Um, and of course, like you say, your, your students were inspiration to you and you became an inspiration to so many of us. Um, and so you, you came full circle. Now, you taught history. So typically, and world history to be, to be exact, um, I know for me at A&M. At, at and so um, that's typically not a subject that we as African-Americans go into, right? And so I, you're right. As a matter of fact, world history, the world history 101, 102 courses were in fact, uh, that's just what freshmen had to have. Now, on the other hand, when I was at UH here in the city, uh, that, that same, well, it's not the same course, but it was called Western civilization. So in a course like that, you're dealing specifically uh, with the West, as opposed to world history, where you encompass, you know, all aspects, Asian history and African history and all that. But the task of teaching world history is making a special effort 
to ensure because on down the road is upper level classes we had a marvelous professor who did in fact teach african-american history and i think i might have taught it once or twice but basically the emphasis on african-american history would come with that particular class but it was more an upper level class but the task of teaching world history to freshmen you know just coming to school for the first time was uh incorporating the black experience some kind of way because it's touched on in the textbooks and you'll talk a little bit about you know the uh empires and ghana Shanghai, all that kind of thing but there it takes a special effort to truly uh give these young people uh a touch of their heritage in a class like that that is so broad and I am very much convinced that our heritage should be taught and emphasized some kind of way, regardless, as long as it's history. But uh, I think the kind of thing that we were able to do, the students, I give them a lot of credit because they were highly receptive to my style of teaching, where I included some of that kind of uh, information for them. Right. And I helped to do that being a product of the Civil Rights Luther because I was quite radical in my thinking and in retrospect uh, I can look back and say I think I was kind of right on time but you know so much of what we are seeing today in terms of uh, the Civil Rights Movement and the movement today to further enhance our rights and all uh, I've seen that come kind of sort of full circle and that's a good thing. Yeah, that, that is a good thing. Now, I, I, I hear you a, a lot talking about your experience in the civil rights movement, um, during the civil rights movement and you, and you growing up in that era. And we just lost an icon. So we just lost um, Congressman John Lewis. And so you're, you're an Alabama, daughter of the Alabama, and he's a son of Alabama. And I'm pretty sure that you were um, able to watch his work um, throughout the years. and. I, something that he said has just been resonating with me lately since his passing. He talked about how um, he got into good trouble and it was necessary trouble. And I think about how you um, often will, when you talk about yourself, you often talk about how radical you were in your um, in your teaching and your sharing of knowledge. Well, uh-huh. I stayed in good trouble. I stayed in good trouble. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so that's what I was thinking about. I was like, I bet Miss Parker stayed in a lot of good trouble. And I can say I'm thankful that you did stay in good trouble because um, right. you helped a lot of us um, who may not have had that exposure in our secondary school education, like our, our middle and high school education as much. Um, when we got to A&M, of course, we were in this black Mecca, right? And it was everything, right. historical black college, university, you name it, Alabama A&M has it, had it and has it and possesses it. Um, but then we also had teachers that looked like us that could tell us about history um, firsthand because like you said, they had, you all had experienced it, you lived it, and you were trying to make sure that we understood from whence we came so that we would know where we were going. And so, um, I just often think about that, and I, like I said, that's been resonating with me, what Congressman Lewis talked about when he talks about getting into good trouble and necessary trouble. And I think about all the different things that my classmates from A&M or even just from high school are doing now and the change that we're um, trying to be because we seek that specific change. And I think about um, 
how we get into necessary trouble sometimes. Um, it's good trouble, but it's necessary trouble. And people don't always view it that way. But well, let me say this about good trouble. I got into a little, quite a bit of good trouble at Alabama A&M because you got to remember our faculty staff and chairpersons and all didn't, in many cases, didn't look like us. That's right. It took a lot to stand up to a teacher who would say uh, these you know, how do you teach 12 chapters in a semester? They can only live two. And I can recall telling the lady, well, you need to learn how to teach because man learn what I teach them. And we did. <laughs> we learned it and we, we held it close. He had to end the faculty meeting because he said that was more innuendo. <laughs> I said, no, if she can't teach 12 chapters in a semester, she needs to learn how to teach. And you see, that's good trouble. And that's saying all, that takes a lot of courage, but there's a spiritual side to that because uh, God was with me too. So, <laughs> yes. Remember being called the principal's offices uh, when I was in a more, a rather less, a rather more, well, not, not necessarily integrated setting, but some blacks and not too many others. But um, it was kind of funny. I can remember going to. Uh, I guess you'll say a principal's conference, uh, a parent conference with the principal sitting in there. And I guess we sat there about two or three hours going back and forward about something that I said that I knew was true. And uh, all the dad wanted me to do was take it back. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And eventually I just came up with the bright idea, well, let's just let sister, you know, little Miss Princess go to someone else, you know, go to another class, someone else. At the time I was teaching what we call US history and uh, for 11th graders. And the parent told me, oh no, 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 you're the best teacher she's ever had. We don't want that. I said, well, we're wasting our time because I'm not gonna take back what I said because I knew I was right. So that was dealing with that hard down racism too. And don't think for one minute if I started teaching and go when if I went into that particular school in nineteen sixty eight, you can imagine we were fresh off of George Wallace's stand in the schoolhouse door. Right. And Malone was our classmate, our Sarah, my Sarah. Richard, yours and my Sarah, and she was selected. She would have graduated with us, but she was selected to go integrate the school. And um, we know the history on that. She did, in fact, integrate the University of Alabama. That's right. Loose and graduated there. But by the time I went to my teaching job in a predominantly white setting, all that was fresh on everybody's mind, the stand up for Alabama thing and all that. Uh, you don't stand when they play Dixie, so you get called in the principal's office. I call that good trouble, and I enjoyed every minute of it. Every minute of it. <laughs> I felt like I was making a difference, and the white kids weren't angry with me, and the black kids weren't angry with me. And today, when I'm moving around, well, before coronavirus locked us in these homes, um, when I'm moving around, I get just as many pats on the backs from all of my students. Number one, I think it engendered a bit of respect more than anything else. It does, and and I think it gives. Not only did, did your students and the in the community and the parents have a respect um, for you, for you 
for doing that. But I just think above all, you have self-respect because you know you were doing what was right. Exactly. And, and when and you when you do make, what is right, that that's what matters. And my, my grandma used to always say, "Here's a little pearl, a little pearl mm-hmm. swap here." My grandma used to always say, "You be you do what is right, so that you're able to lay down with yourself at night and get exactly. up with yourself in the morning." And so right. I always think about that when I'm doing things. Um, I want to do what is right, um, not what people think is right, but what I know in my heart to be right. And you know, if you have that innate desire to do what's right. Uh, it'll all come together for you. It does. Final analysis, you can be elevated to a point where, you know, it's just the, I don't mean elevated in the sense of a big ego, but I mean your career will flourish even with some bumps in the road. I didn't lose my job when I told the principal I wasn't going to take it back because I knew it was right. He just sat there and looked at me and the parent did too. I didn't lose my job when I told the parent, well, you know, maybe you should just let her go to so-and-so's class. Oh, no, you're the best teacher she's ever had. And my response was, well, why are we wasting time sitting up in here then? (laughs) Now, you know, I do know in many cases, and in most cases, and I've had this experience with friends and colleagues, they would have taken it back because they feared their job. That's why I say there's a spiritual side that says if you truly say you trust God, uh, why would you have to worry about that? That's that's right. Now let's talk a little bit about how at the closing of every freshman history lecture, you shared the devotional Black Pearls with us or, or that day's Black Pearl with us. Tell me a little bit about why Black Pearls and why you felt it was important to not only teach us history and educate us as we were there to uh, matriculate through college, but why you felt it was important to give us a life lesson for the day. Okay, that's a wonderful question because no one's ever asked me, but the students seem to receive it so well. I tell you why. I, I love bookstores. I'm a nerdy bookworm, you might say. And I was in a bookstore, and I came across this this book written in uh, 1993 called Black Pearls, Daily Meditations, Affirmations, Inspirations for African Americans. And I just, in thumbing through it, I couldn't help but think, wouldn't this be wonderful to give this to my students? But at the same time, you know, if I'm teaching world history, I don't have 30 minutes to uh, pull out a black pearl and let's have a long, drawn-out discussion. But the way the book is structured, in essence, is as if you are given, you know, I guess you might say something to meditate on, a word to meditate on, that comes from someone that you're probably familiar with. And then uh, it affirms the, act, the positive aspects of a person's life and you end with the idea now when you leave you try to incorporate this into your day and I just I just had this bright idea that that would be a wonderful way to end the day even though my gut feeling was okay I'm going to try this and if it's not that well received I'll just add two more minutes on to my lecture you know basically that's how you do it But at the same time, the students were so open to it, and there were a few students who, I mean, just hung on to it, you know, with every word. Now, at the same time, the book, I don't know what it might cost now, but it only cost $10 at the time. And um, I do recall a few students getting so excited 
and I think Carissa, you were probably one, and I probably eased a copy to them when I <laughs> yes, picked I up have a copy. copy. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I really, and I get so much good uh, feedback, even now, as long ago as that was, I get so much good feedback from that. But I also couldn't help but think, for example, uh, included in these uh, meditations, some are like African proverbs and things of that sort. Then some of them might come from, um, I guess you might say, famous people that we know. Right. Then I'd have even indicators, people like, um, you know, Dr. Janetta Cole, who you know was at one time president of Spelman and Marion Wright Elman, people like that. Quincy Jones, people who have name recognition, but in some cases they might not. But each person's quote would give you, for example, um, the quote itself, then what you're going to meditate on from that quote, and then affirm your day by saying, This is what I'll be doing today. Right. You know, with that. And I was just so delighted that the students received it so well. As a matter of fact, to remind me if I got too carried away that now we haven't had black pearls yet. <laughs> we would. We say, wait a minute, where's our black pearl? Exactly, um, exactly. And it's and it, I, it's funny because I was looking up the meaning of black pearls. Um and of course they talk about the mystery of them and how they're intriguing and right. are drawing a lot of attention, um, more so than of course your your white cultural pearl. Um mm. but one one main thing that sticks out about the symbolism of a black pearl is the wisdom and the knowledge. Right, and it talks right. about how you give black pearls to someone. Um, you're giving them, you're gifting them the knowledge or um, wishing them wisdom on their journey of life. And so when I read that, it just once again, full circle back to what um, you would do for us in class with that um, and how we talk about um, th those nuggets and, and how you, like you just said, how you felt like you could deposit those pearls into our lives. And I, not only are those pearls of wisdom things that are deposited into our lives. But like I said in my intro um, about you is that the, the individual who deposits the pearl to me is just as much a pearl as the, uh, as the nugget of, of wisdom that they share. And so I wanted to um, give you your flowers while you were still here <laughs> and let you know that, um, and then to let you know that you were, um, you were very much an inspiration. You are very much, I'm sorry, not were, but are very much an inspiration in my life. And that, um, that experience was very um, pivotal, pivotal, pivotal for me, um, excuse me. Um, and so I just wanted to take that time to introduce you to the world, um, to share you <laughs> with, with others. You are one of the big reasons why I can honestly say I had a fantastically rewarding 38 years in the education business. And I'm so happy that I did, in fact, uh, you know, choose to do that. Even though I, uh, my friend, my dear classmate, who is probably one of the dearest friends I have, uh, I tease him every now and then. I say, well, now, you know, had I hung around with you, I think my retirement check might have been a little bit bigger. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. If we make it work, you know. Yes, ma'am. It's priceless to have been able to touch lives in so many different directions and ways. 
Yes, ma'am. So in closing, I want you to leave the black pearl or the pearl of blackness for today um, for our listeners. And I, I, with all that's going on with COVID-19 and we have educators returning back into the classroom, is there one um, piece of advice or one pearl that you'd like to leave with our current educators of today? Well, you know what I really would have to say? I would have to say that first and foremost, uh, find some time to meditate. That kind of centers one for the day and gets you ready for, uh, you know, what's going to happen. Whatever way you meditate, whether it's black pearls or whatever. But the whole idea is to affirm positive aspects of your own life. Uh, when I was thinking in terms of sharing this with freshman students, probably away from home for the first time and all, uh, it was a good opportunity to help them to visualize what I would call a positive future for themselves. As a freshman right out of high school and four years of college ahead of you, you have no idea which way things are going to go. And just getting a little daily dose of something. But if you would ask me, I guess probably my favorite, it would really be, I I wasn't really prepared for that question. (laughs) Okay, I always think of the one from uh, Dr. King, um, where he said, in essence, if a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. In essence, anything you have to do that is a task, do it the best you can. You know, we're locked down in these houses because of coronavirus. There's a thousand things we can find to do, but we can do them so haphazardly since we think we have all the time in the world. But if we aspire to excellence on the job, in the home, in our relationships, and so forth, I think that in and of itself will, I guess I could say, lead us to loftier heights. And that's what we want to aspire to. Well, thank you so much, Mrs. Parker. And to all the listeners of Pearls of Blackness, I am so thankful that I was able to share one of my most precious pearls with you and she was able to leave you with a pearl of wisdom. We thank you so much for joining us today, Miss Parker. Thank you so much and I love you dearly and you made me super, super proud. Enjoy your day. Thank you so much. You have a great day as well. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.